Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. And also, you can find us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, you can read our content at the-barnburner.com. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to talk some Grizzlies basketball from the bubble. We're not actually in the bubble, but we'll <laughs> talk about the bubble. Uh, you got me, Zach. Find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. With me today, I have Mason. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, another tough loss from the Grizzlies. But uh, the bubble's back. The bubble's working. We've had uh, tons of NBA basketball over the past two weeks. So, uh, you know, all in all, it could be worse. Yeah, how, how great is it that, like, you can find an NBA game on at, like, 1130? I guess it's, like, real early. On the West Coast. Yeah, it's I mean, like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, like there's basketball all in, then it's all day from there on out. It's great. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it if there was a way for this to be the case for at least part of the NBA season, like every year. It has this like March Madness vibe to it, where like every game matters for the most part for the right. teams in there. And it's just basketball all day. It's it, It's very interesting, but I wish there was a way to replicate that throughout the season somehow. Yeah, it has a cut down on my productivity and my working from home days, so I'm not sure how much my employer likes it, but uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> Got the TV in the office, you know, <laughs> Got the setup. Yeah, you sent us a picture of it. It looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess let's just hop right into the Grizzlies. Uh, we haven't recorded a show in a couple of weeks, and since then, the Grizzlies have lost uh, Justice Winslow before the bubble games even started. Um, Tyus Jones before the regular season bubble game started. And then after three games of these seeding games, we lost Jaron Jackson. Um, so starting, you know, we're down three of our top seven or eight players in the rotation. Um, we've only won one game. We were able to beat Oklahoma City, who sat Steven Adams. And that was on, I believe, Friday. Friday that was a Friday matinee game, yeah. Um, and then other than that, we've lost five games <laughs> that actually count. So what's just kind of your general overarching takeaways from our performance in the bubble so far? Well, it, it feels like a broken record of the past like five years, but we cannot score pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> if you get on Grizzly Twitter or Facebook, it's Dylan Brooks. He's like the public enemy number one right now for sure. And just the the absence of Jaron Jackson is, I mean, you when you lose, you know, one of your top scorers, one of your highest usage guys who stretches the floor, that's just going to kill you. I mean, you take that guy away from any team and they're, not, they're a shell of what they were before. But also this has given us an opportunity to see Grayson Allen, who outperformed like anything that I thought that he was going to be capable of, at least on this team. 
Yeah. So let's start with the positives and we'll yeah. start with Grayson. <laughs> um, I mean, just a, a pleasant surprise, like knockdown shooter um, can score in a variety of ways. He's not just standing there. He's coming off screens. He can also uh, put it on the floor and take it to the rim. Uh, he missed a finger roll today in the Raptors game where he probably should have just dunked it on the fast break. Um, and he's, he's scrappy on defense. You know, there's not a lot of times where I'm like, man, Grayson was like so out of position right there. It killed us. Yeah. Um, he's usually in the right spot. So I'm all for Grayson Allen being a rotation player. Uh, oh, and most importantly, he cut out all the bitch assness that was associated with him from his time at Duke in his early one season in Utah. Yeah, and I think something <laughs> we can compare and contrast here a little bit. So we have Dylan Brooks, who is just taking all kinds of crazy shots. One most notably today that's made its rounds on social media uh, where he's shooting. He's got another Grizzly player in his hip pocket. His defender and his teammate's defender right in his face from like 27, 28 feet away. And Grayson Allen standing in the corner wide open with his hands up. And that's kind of been – that's just been Dylan in a, in a nutshell through this bubble. But then on the flip side, you have Grayson who he's pretty much taking good shots. Like they're either at the rim or open threes. And that's what – that's what Dylan is best at, but he just tries to do all these other things that are not his game. He's not DeMar DeRozan. He doesn't need to be going in there shooting, you know, elbow jumpers with three people on him. Yeah, with, with Dylan, it's so annoying because um, on one hand, he has been like our leading scorer since Jaron went down. Um, I think he's averaging 23 a game over the past week. And granted, yes, he does take bad shots, but he he was an integral part to the overachieving that this team did throughout the season. And when he plays within himself, I, I, I don't think he understands how good he can be when he plays yeah. within himself and how awful he can be when he does what he's been doing. Um, it's just a tale of two players. Like, it, it's honestly like if you don't figure it out, like you're going to find your way out of the league eventually or, you know, like – going from team to team, being a just trade piece that no one really wants to keep around because you fuck up chemistry. And you certainly won't be starting on a playoff team like he was on track to do. Yeah. I mean, if he just buys into being the three and D guy who can get hotter than a firecracker, like after he's made a, a catch and shoot shot, I'm fine with him taking a one dribble pull up within the flow of the offense. What I hate is when he gets the rebound and brings it up and he doesn't pass to anyone and takes a pull-up jumper. <laughs> like, that's not a good yeah. possession. You, you are best, and our team is best when the ball is moving. We don't – you know, Jaws really the only one right now who can break players down one-on-one. Yes, Dylan can get by you every now and then, but, you know, the success rate of Dylan's drives to the basket is you know, not great. <laughs> like, he no, likes to jump in the air and turn it over and or force and, up a wild shot. And depending on what kind of mood he's in – he. He is capable of making some fairly good passes around the rim. We just don't see that often enough. Mm-hmm. Early on, I think, or it might have been the Thunder game, or no, it was maybe a couple games before that. He had some, had a couple good dishes to to Jonas, or like out to the corner to Melton. It's like, why don't you do that more often? Right. Yeah, and I mean that's what I think that is what frustrates the fan base so much with Dylan is you see it in him, and you know he wants to win. 
but he just continuously makes dumb plays. <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, you can't say his heart is not in it and that he's not trying. Yeah, and I, I'm not ready to write him off or you know trade him away for nothing. Nothing at this point. I think he can still be an integral piece to this team moving forward. That's someone you want is a guy who can score thirty uh, on a given night, and if if he if you know if nothing else, he's giving you twelve to fifteen points and playing solid D on the other team's best player. Like that's that's invaluable to have on a team. But when yeah. you throw in these bad shots. Uh, the turnovers, as well as the fouls defensively. Uh, we like to talk about how much he can compete or how much he does compete defensively and how good he generally is defensively. But when when he things aren't going his way, he takes a dumb foul 94 feet from the basket. And then he picks up another one, and our opponent is in the bonus. Now they're shooting free throws with seven minutes left in the second quarter. Like It's just mental things with Dylan, and I, I'm really intrigued to know what the coaches say to him in the film room. And like, does it just go in one ear and out the other, or does no one address it? You know, like, yeah, it, it, I really think that it'll be a sign of the kind of the control or the leadership that Taylor Jenkins has is if he can rein in Dylan Brooks. It's like you yeah. said, he's very important, but I think now Dylan's like, ah, screw it, like Jaron's gone. For some reason, he thinks I have to be the person to make up for his 18, 20 points, 25 points he was scoring before he went out, like, per game. And that's just not sustainable for him. Right. So, uh, you know, and it will be a testament to Ja and Jaron's leadership as well. Uh, we'll see if they really have control of this team. JV even, he should be a vet. You know, someone on that team should be helping Dylan realize that, you know, what some – when he's out of control, he's not helping the team. Um, but I say all that, and we say all that negative about Dylan, and but Dylan is not the only reason that we're losing these games. Um, and, you know, honestly, yes, it sucks in the moment when we make the mistakes and uh, the Raptors go on a run and the Jazz go on a run. But like we said at the beginning of the show, we're down three of our top eight players. We're playing some pretty damn good teams. And we're competing with them for the most part. We, we've had a chance in, I, I want to say, every game of the bubble. Like, we've had a lead or we've been a, yeah. one mistake away today. It was the Tolliver turnover um, late in the game when we had cut it to four. Uh, we, we had a fast break and he turned it over. Raptors hit a three. Boom. Big swing. Um, so we're right there. We're not, playing, we're not playing great basketball. We're not even playing really good basketball, but we're competing with some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, very good point. Just to circle back to Grayson real quick, he how many threes do you think he's hitting per game? I mean, four at least. Close, yeah. He's hitting three and a half per game, shooting 53% from beyond the arc in the bubble. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty solid. <laughs> hyper, yeah, hyper efficient uh, work by him. And that's just a, the result of him taking the smart shots, taking the right shots. Uh, and he's also a guy that, like Dylan, that can get super hot. So I haven't – Having those types of players is really important. Just, you know, having to feed the right guy at the right time. And, and one thing people are – a bunch of people are saying online is, like, bench bench Dylan, put Grayson in the starting lineup. What are your thoughts on that move? Um, I, I don't think that's really going to help. Uh, I think they're pretty similar players. I don't – you know, it's not going to help spacing dramatically or anything. Maybe it helps the team chemistry. I would have to look into the lineups a little more. Um, but I, 
I, I like what Grayson's doing off the bench, really. <laughs> like, if if he's not on the bench, then who's going to score off the bench? Because if you move Dylan to the bench, then it's going to be twice as rough as it is right now. Um, like He's going to be forcing a lot more and just trying to do more because he's going to have pressure on him when you go to the bench. That's just natural. Yeah, he'll, he'll find a way to get the same amount of shot attempts in less minutes probably. But, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it is – like the Grizzlies bench at times this season has been very good and has torched other people's benches. And that's a big reason that Memphis has had the success that they've had so far. I mean, you have guys like Jaron and Ja who were not playing a ton of minutes throughout the season. So we weren't really like relying on them to be the workhorses that we will in future seasons down the road. Um, but I just think there's value in having a bench that's solid, like having Grayson and Brandon Clark come off the bench that, I mean, you know, those guys are going to be smart. They're like older young guys, I guess you could say, because they were in college longer. And so they can really add some value there and having, I mean, look at the Clippers, two of their best guys come off the bench, mm-hmm. like in, in Lou will and Montrez, like those are very valuable guys that have a very specific role that destroy other teams, second units and, a lot of times they're in in the closing minutes, and that's really what's important. Yeah, I mean, and and we're feeling the effects of not having Tyus Jones, and we've oh yeah, we're realizing just how important he was to the dominance of that second unit. We're not seeing Brandon Clark get hardly any alley oops. We're not seeing him out in transition. You know, Tyus was really the catalyst for getting us down court and hitting shooters and throwing those lobs. So um, hopefully we get him back for one of these last two games. But unfortunately, there's been been no update. Um, one, one more thing, just That's back great. to Grayson and Dylan. Do you think we have to choose between the two, or can they coexist on the roster moving forward? I think that we could keep both of them. Obviously, we have Dylan for the extension, and then next year, uh, Grayson's contract, if we picked it up, I think it's $4 million, and that'll be the last year of his rookie contract. So, I, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer at this point to pick that up, but I don't think it hurts to have – two guys like that, as long as you can figure out which one starting and, and coming off the bench, I think that's possible. If you have two identical guys like that in the starting lineup, that could get a little dicey. And I don't think with the people that the personnel we have, that would really be possible. Um, but I think having one starting one coming off the bench is definitely within the realm of possibility to still have success because you really only need one of those guys to get hot and they can carry you through a game, really. Yeah. And, I mean, if you keep them separated, then you got the, you know, someone with the potential to get high is in the game at all times in theory. Yeah. I would say out of, like, four games, you probably have two games where at least, you know, one of them should get hot in at least one of those four games. So that gives you 50% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, let's move on. Uh, you know who's really been grinding my gears, man? Kyle Anderson. <laughs> like he hit a couple threes in the scrimmages and oh, in the first couple games of the bubble, he's just letting it fly like he's stiff or something. Uh, and then today he got two early fouls. Then he came back in to start the second half and he got two more fouls. Uh, he's just really been rather unproductive, it seems, but his plus minus, his plus minus is uh, second on the team only to DeAnthony Melton over the last three games. Uh, Melton has been a plus 8.7 and Kyle's been a plus 7.7. Now, the thing about that is those those look great, 
But those two guys together over this these three games have averaged 12 points, five boards, and five assists. Like, that's not production. That's nothing. No. <laughs> like, so that, that's where we can't fall into the lies of plus minus. Like, Melton today was great. He was fucking stealing everything. But um, I, I just thought that number was interesting. When I was like, Melton and Kyle have been our best players, but they don't yeah. score. They don't create. Like, they don't do anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you have, if you're plus minus, you're you're only good on the defensive end, or you're only like making the you're making the most impact. Obviously, Melton with his seven steals today, uh, that that's a huge impact. But we gotta be, someone's gotta be able to score. You can afford to have like one of those guys. You can like you can afford the Tony Allen lockdown defender, but you you need someone else to have people that can score and generate offense. Whereas if it's too much of your roster, and I mean, those guys are getting heavy minutes. Anderson at the bubble's got 23 minutes. Melton's getting 20. So, you know, pretty significant uh, minutes there and only averaging 11 points between the two of them in the bubble. I mean, that's, that's tough. That's yeah. why we can't score a hundred points in a game. Right. Uh, there's two other Grizzlies players over the last three games who have a positive plus minus. Uh, Tara, t- take a stab at who those two are. Um, let's see, Grayson. Nope. Tolliver. Yeah, that's one. And this guy was awful today. If, if Sam was here, he'd be losing his shit. Ah, uh, crap. Do do. I- no, Valentine. Oh, Valentine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, yeah. Oh, yeah. Today was a over big wolf game. I mean, the Raptors just decided that they were going to double team him every time he touched the ball. Every time we even thought about passing him the ball, actually, they were already headed to double team him, and he, for the most part, didn't make the right reads, couldn't handle the double team, and and then they just packed it in and let us shoot threes. Um, there was no, not a lot of driving lanes to the bucket. I mean, that Raptors team is the best defensive team, you know, maybe second best, but definitely one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Yeah, they they just know what they're doing. And when you go into a game like that and you have chinks in your armor like Memphis does with Jaron out and Tyus out, they can there's, – there's like less work for them to do when they already know how – they've already got a solid game plan to contain you. And you take out one of your major offensive pieces, it it really just makes it easier for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaw's been averaging about thirty-seven minutes in the bubble. That's, that's, yeah, are you concerned about that? Because uh, I think he was averaging close to around thirty before the bubble. I mean, I I am very concerned. I'd be lying if I said I was not concerned. Um, you know, just, even just going into these last two games on Tuesday and Thursday, but. We have no choice. <laughs> like, who else are you going to play? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, no one. <laughs> I, I don't envy Taylor Jenkins for riding the jaw. And, you know, it's, even in this game, it's like, it just don't take him out in the second half, like, <laughs> unless he has to come out. Yeah, we're really – if we are serious about going in and winning these games, that's really the only option, which is almost – you have to kind of weigh, I feel like, do we want to – go all the way in and play Morant 38, 40 minutes a game. You know, that's what 30% more than he played during the season. And we're only, we're playing every other night. 
or back-to-backs. Like, all these games have been crammed in there. So he's getting far less rest than he would have during the normal season. Or do you just do the best that you can now that you know, like, you're not going to have your full squad, you know, if and when you make the eighth seed and have to play against L.A., and then you're doing the same thing all over again with him. Is that worth it for the long term? Well, I think the organization has given us their answer, and, and that's what they're going to do, it appears. Um, we saw it with Jaron and Ja. Um, you know, the first game was overtime, and they played tons of minutes, and then they, it wasn't slowing down um, after that game. So, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost Jaron. Can't say it was due to the scheduling, but I think I counted the days in when, when the bubble seeding games are done. We'll, we will have played eight games in 14 days, which Oof. is – rough (laughs) great for fans not probably great for the players yeah not great for the body um anything else over the past couple games you want to hit on Uh, i think so the the thunder game that was a very strange game like that that was one of the more roller coaster games that uh that i've seen in a while they were they were getting wide open shots so let's not kid ourselves and say that they just got got hot from three. Yes, they did. And they're not a particularly good three point shooting team, but man, they were getting wide open shots. Like common, common theme amongst Grizzlies for Grizzlies opponents lately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we give people the opportunities to do that, that's going to happen. And they shot 60 something percent on threes in the first half and just happened. Memphis tightened up their defense a little bit and things kind of regressed to the mean. But that first half was. That was a tough one to stomach. Uh, Several games, it seems like the guys have kind of lacked effort or taken a long time to warm up. And at some point in every game, you've seen that, you know, hard-nosed tenacity where everyone's gotten up and gone after it. But it's not been consistent for four quarters throughout, you know, since the beginning. Yeah, I mean, like you said, even that Thunder game, we didn't play four quarters. Um Today we got we started out good on the Raptors. I think we had a 25-20 lead after the first quarter, um, but then the Raptors, you know, they were just the better team. Um, so yeah, it it has been a struggle, and that's I think that's part of the frustration too. And you know, I think the guys are playing hard. They're not going out there and mailing it in, but it's it's more mental lapses and just like defensive rotations, not getting to the extra pass, and not closing out on that shooter. Um, just the small things that you would hope that would come out of the Grizzlies in these games, knowing how important they are. Yeah. And the Spurs game in particular, they were killing Memphis on the offensive glass and that's not a good offensive rebounding team. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't even out there playing and Jakob Pertl is just looking like a superstar there for a few minutes. Like that can't happen if you want to have any hope of beating these teams. Yeah, I mean, and when you really think about it, we should have beat the Blazers in game one. We kind of barfed that game away. And we had the Spurs in game two. Uh, you know, we could be talking about resting John Morant now, and maybe Jaron wasn't playing in that game. He got hurt. Um, so just, you know, if we would have closed out those games early on, the rest of the seeding games could have been a whole lot different than they are right now. Yep. I do want to point out that uh, I think it was a good move for – Taylor Jenkins to put Tolliver into that starting lineup instead of Brandon. Uh, we've kind of talked in our text group about spacing. So really when you have Valanchunas and Clark 
most of their points are coming from around the rim, which obviously creates a lot of problems in today's NBA where you're trying to space the floor. Yeah, Brandon can, you know, spread it and shoot it. Valanciunas a little bit if it's from a standstill, but ultimately those guys get their buckets around the goal uh, and putting Tolliver in there spreads it out a little bit. So in, in theory, it's a good strategy, and I agree with that. Uh, and kind of how we talked about Grayson coming off the bench doing well. And that's been Clark's role this whole year. And yeah. he's really excelled there. And especially when Morant comes back in from his first sub, or his first rest, and then um, he's playing with Brandon. They have a lot of really good chemistry. But I think kind of that staggering, not immediately putting him into the starting lineup, or not keeping him there, that was a, a smart move. Ultimately, you would think that Clark will be there when Jaron's playing the four. You know, in the future, probably a year, two years down the road, Valanciunas is gone. That's going to be the strategy. And that's, I mean, I think that will work. But Valanciunas and Clark, both in there at the same time, kind of mucks up everything. So I think that was good to try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, and for whatever reason, uh, you, you know, if it's him and JV, I don't know exactly what it is, but Clark has just not been good as a, as a starter and been yeah. elite as a bench player. So uh, kind of like with Grayson, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, and then Tolliver, he struggled his first stint as a starter. I think that's when Dort's. Uh, was going off and OKC was starting their run, but he came back in later on in the first quarter and in the second quarter and we started to make the run. And, uh, you know, if he catches it with a little bit of separation, like more times than not, he's going to knock down the tray ball. Yeah. He's shooting over 40% from three uh, since getting to Orlando, which is on, on less than a little less than three attempts, but that by far outside of Grayson is the best on the team. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's Anthony Tolliver, so it, he is what he is. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's fun to have when he's making shots. For sure. Any other – out? so kind of moving outside of Memphis a little bit, any other noteworthy guys that you have seen that have impressed you that you weren't expecting? Well, um, I guess that can kind of lead into the teams that are chasing this because I'm going to say Dame Lillard and Devin Booker. Uh, those guys have just been ridiculous. And, and here, let's just do a quick rundown. Um, the Grizzlies still hold the eighth seed somehow. Um, Port- Portland is in nine. They are half a game back after they beat Philadelphia today. And let me just let's just run through the Blazers' freaking luck lately. Uh, this poor game, Philly. Th- yeah, poor Philly. I feel bad for Philly, honestly, losing uh, Simmons and now Embiid. Yeah, so Embiid left. Tough left the game today and so you know portland got the sixers without simmons without Embiid. they played the clippers what was that last night or two nights ago um and the clippers didn't have Kawhi, no pat bev no montrez and then just in the crunch time doc rivers just decides he's not going to play paul george Um, so so the blazers catch another break and then the game before that they play the nuggets who already have zero guards and same thing during crunch time, Mike Malone just decides he's, he's not going to play Jokic down the stretch. So the Blazers are just getting hand like handouts every single game. And the Grizzlies have only got one with the uh, no Steven Adams for OKC. But I mean, it's just so frustrating to see the Blazers catch break after break and they're barely winning these games, you know, like I, yeah. I think if, 
I don't think we will beat them in the play-in, but we're gonna, it's going to be closer than f- folks want to give us credit for. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Our uh, the media darlings, the the Pelicans, not not doing so hot, are they? Oh yeah, I've got so tied up in fucking the Blazers that uh, I didn't <laughs> even finish my standings. So Portland's ninth; they're a half a game back. Um, both us and them have two games remaining, as does San Antonio, who's currently in tenth, and they are one game back of the eighth seed and half a game back of Portland in ninth. And then Phoenix is one and a half games back of eight, one game back of Portland in nine, and a half game back of San Antonio in 10. So those are the four teams still alive. And that's, again, Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Suns. And just to let you know what everyone has on the docket this week, um, Tuesday, the Grizzlies play Boston, and then Thursday we play the Bucks. So Grizzlies have, you know, two of the best teams in the East, the Spurs have Houston and Utah, you know, not an easy schedule. And Houston and Utah still fighting for position in the middle of the West, unlike Boston and Milwaukee. Right. Port- Portland has Dallas and Brooklyn. Um, you know, them and Dallas could be a really good game, but Dallas is not playing for anything either. And, you know, Brooklyn is, is who we thought they were coming into the bubble, um, a G League team. And Phoenix is the only team with three games left. They have uh, the Thunder on Monday, the 76ers on Tuesday, and the Mavs on Thursday. So, um, you know, no easy games really for outside of Portland having Brooklyn. Uh, It's going to be a battle to the end. So how are you feeling about this race? Can we hold on to eight seed? Are we going to have to fall to nine and beat beat Portland twice? What do you think? How do you think this is going to play out? So I would imagine who does uh, who do the Bucks play this week? So okay, so, already... so so both Boston and Milwaukee play us in Washington this week to close out their schedules. Wow, lucky them! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they can like pick and choose which games matter to them, pretty much. Yeah, and there's no implication on the standings for any of the top three teams in the East. Yeah, I, I would. So the Bucks, that's going to be the last game. I could see, you know, even if Giannis plays, Middleton, all those guys are playing, I would, could see that be like a first half only. You know, keep your legs on you, and then just kind of whatever happens in the second half, let it go. Uh, and, and really the same for the Celtics. So we, yeah. we could catch a break because there's honestly no reason for their guys. They're not going to send their stars out there for 35, 40 minutes. If you do that, that I mean, that just doesn't make sense to take that risk, I don't think. Um, but also, like, those are still, like, really good teams. And the way that we're kind of shorthanded and not really – not, like, firing on all cylinders, really, it's not going to be the easiest thing to beat those guys. So, that being said, I could see us winning one of those games, depending on, like, who decides more hardcore that they're going to sit their starters down the stretch. Right. But I think uh, what, that's best case scenario is winning one of those. Yeah. What about uh, so Portland's got Dallas and Brooklyn? You think they win both of those? When when's the Dallas game? Uh, that's Tuesday. Tuesday. I could see. Um, I don't know. I could see the Mavs still still playing pretty hard in that one, and then I, I think all the teams that are in will probably have solidified their seating. Might coast on that very last game towards the end of the week, but. 
in the first half of the week, you'll still see some pretty good basketball with standard rotations and lineups and everything. Uh, and the way that, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't bet against the Mavericks the way that Luca can come out and just like he did on Saturday night, just play phenomenal basketball. I mean, that, that team's super fun to watch right now. Uh, and I, I would have to think that they would have the edge over Portland in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, Luca versus Dame, that's must watch TV <laughs> in, yeah. like, in this day and age. Um, yeah, man, going to be a struggle. Definitely need to win a game. Come on, Budenholzer. Show your boy yeah. Jenkins some love. Celtics, right. I mean, we, we've traded with y'all all the time. Like We've given y'all so many picks. We took Jeff Green off your hand. Like, come on, throw us one yeah. bone. But, you know, that that is another aspect. The Celtics could try to beat us to keep us out of the playoffs so the pick is better for their sake. That, That's a good point, yeah. You know, so it's, it's a lot of – you know, finagling going on. Um, we'll see. Maybe it's just basketball. Maybe the guys just say, let's lace them up. We're here in the bubble. Let's play basketball. True. In which case we have to win, win a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we said coming into this whole thing is that, yeah, we had a tough schedule. Teams like New Orleans had a, an easier schedule. That's how the, the season was supposed to shape out towards the end. But ultimately, we were in a position to, you know, we controlled our destiny on whether or not we would make the playoffs. It was totally up to us. We had enough cushion. We had to win a certain amount of games to stay in that position. We only have, we have the advantage if we stay in the eighth seed to only have to win one of the little shortened little tournament game, the double elimination. And it's really up to us. And if we don't yeah. do it, then we just don't need to be there, honestly. And it's hard to limp into the playoffs like Memphis is going to do anyway. So really get to see what the guys have, you know, how, how pride, how much pride they have to kind of fight through to get to that eighth seed. And then, you know, how that first round could shake out. Right. And I mean, the current version of our roster is not better than Portland's current roster and probably not better than the Spurs or Suns current rosters. Um, just cause they have all-stars. <laughs> like, it's really as yeah. simple as that. And they have, like, guys who have come back from injury, most of them. Like, Portland got everyone for, you know, the first time in six months. Um, yeah, which if know, the season would have continued, out. it would have been interesting to see how long Portland was without those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it worked out for them. Yeah, definitely. I think the delay helped Portland out for sure. And they had time to like get in a secret gym and get their chemistry together and stuff. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I don't know if they did, but I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. No, very good point. Yeah. Well, so Dame and Book have been two stars. Uh, who's, who's someone that's caught your eye in the bowl? So we got some guys uh, playing out of their mind that you don't usually see <laughs> on these kind of lists. Uh, the leading scorer in the bubble right now. At 34.8 points per game is TJ Warren from the <laughs> Indiana Pacers. Probably didn't see that one coming. No, I mean, <laughs> who would have taken the odds on TJ Warren like coming into the bubble? And it had to be like 10,000 to one odds, like that he would be the leading scorer. Hitting four threes per game over 55%. I mean, that's like, to put it in perspective, Harden is averaging 
one point less than him at 33.8, and he's shooting 35%. So 20 points less from three. Dang. He's jacking up. He's, hit, he's taking, like, almost three more attempts from three per game. And with, when uh, T.J. Warren hit that free agent market. <laughs> he's going to get paid like we paid Dylan Brooks. Yeah. It could all be a smoke screen. Uh, but another guy that you don't usually see on the top ten scoring list, most of these guys are pretty familiar. But if you drop down, um, Michael Porter Jr. with the Nuggets yeah. is really – Really played strong in the bubble. Been really fun to watch uh, in his five games, averaging over 25 points per game, almost perfect from the stripe, 42% from three, 10 rebounds. So he's not just scoring, and he's also averaging a block per game. So Damn. he's really, like, getting in there, doing it all. He's He could become that guy that, you know, was the high-projected draft pick that – people were talking a lot about, including on this podcast about taking over Jaron, who ironically is the next highest scorer uh, in the bubble right behind Michael Porter Jr. So I think that, I mean, that's something to monitor. He's only 22 years old, could really develop into a solid player and he's really fun to watch. Yeah. And smooth. Um, I'm not ready to say that I wish we would have taken him over Jaron at this no. point, but um, I mean, he's pretty damn good and shouts to him. He got an opportunity with, you know, half of their guards having COVID or injuries or whatever they've had. And Jamal Murray showing his pecker on Instagram live uh, during the quarantine and getting sick from it. And just, I mean, the dude's been great. Like, he is the Michael Porter Jr. everyone thought was going to Mizzou before the back injuries. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the the first couple, like, Luca and Jaron, uh, maybe even Aiden, but the rest of those guys in the draft, maybe, I guess, Trey Young, too. But, uh, you know, the Kings drafted Bagley. Like, everyone in between yeah. where MPJ got picked has got to be kicking themselves right now after seeing this performance in the bubble. Yeah, I don't know if it came out like where did, where all he released his medicals to, and if that if that played a part. And I assume that had to be like one of the biggest factors. Teams were just not sure about his back, which very valid concern. You got you know Joel Embiid perpetually injured. You know one of the best guys in the league when he's on the floor, but if you can't count on him to play 100 games in a season, including the playoffs, then you know yeah. is that someone that you want to take that risk on? Uh, but like, yeah, the I, I'm not ready either to say that like I'd rather have him above Jaron because that's I think that's really premature to say because we're obviously more in tune with Jaron. We know what he's capable of the the shooting streaks that he can get on. Uh, but I mean, Porter is you know filling up the stat sheet in ways that Jaron isn't and hasn't been uh, like rebounding. That's just not <laughs> something that's part of Jaron's arsenal. <laughs> At no. this point, um, so uh, are, are you worried about Jaron's rebounding at this point? Not really. I've I've decided that if he is a twenty-five plus point per game scorer, and he can also protect the rim, those are two very important things. That if rebounding isn't his forte, and that's not what he does necessarily, I don't. I'm not going to fault him. 
Like I, I would like for him to be a better rebounder, but those are two categories, the scoring and the rim protection that, you know, those are very invaluable for the way that this team's structured. So if rebounding is the hole in his game, then we just got to fill the roster with guys who can make up for that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think I, initially I was pretty concerned because you see the seven foot guy and you're like, you have to rebound. You know, that's just kind of like when the way you grow, you grow up, the big kid has to rebound. And if they don't rebound, then like there's significantly less value in them, but that, that just necessarily isn't the case necessarily anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if he grabbed a few more, like, but it yeah. is what it is. Uh, and sorry to interrupt your MPJ love fest, but one more <laughs> uh, Jaron question. Are you worried that in his two seasons, he has not finished the season due to injury and even really two seasons. And then this little bubble season, uh, all three have been derailed by injury. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I don't not quite as uh, positive as the rebound. <laughs> no, I'll, if he could stay on the floor, then yeah, the rebounding, whatever, man. But yeah, the the injuries are concerning. You know, just something here, something there, and if that's if that stays around, I mean, that really diminishes what he's going to be able to do, uh, especially on this roster. So yeah, that's concerning. I, there isn't like a fix or an answer necessarily is the the tough thing with injuries yeah and who knows how serious this injury is and i mean he may not not have another serious injury the rest of his career um, right you see these things go all kinds of ways mpj could get hurt in the next game he plays and yeah. never be the same guy we've seen in the bubble so anything can happen so I, to grizz nation i wouldn't you know worry too much about jaron's injury problems um because it's not going to help anything just hope for the best <laughs> that's all you can yeah. do it's like Steph, you know, he started off his career, you know, injury plagued and then had an incredible run before, you know, really getting hurt again. Yeah. So would you like, you, I think you take that 10 uh, yeah, times I mean, out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> no Warriors fan is trading what yeah. they've got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's like a complete end of the spectrum when you have back-to-back MVP. I'm not saying Jaron is that, but when you have a all-star caliber player who can, can do that i think you just have to live with it at that point yeah what else you want to hit on i think yeah we got those um luca just playing out of his mind like you said that he's become much watch must watch television that's between the legs pass while while <laughs> yeah. moving in the paint past Giannis to porzingis that was one of the more phenomenal passes I think I've ever seen left-handed nonetheless. I mean, I'm in you you saying that wants me to give a shout out to Jai right quick. His left-handed passes are so hard and accurate. That's a fucking uncanny skill. Like people can't throw passes with their off hand like that. And he just like flings it across the court right into the shooter's pocket. But yeah, man, Luca, uh, a lot of people were wrong on him in, coming into the NBA, including myself. I mean, I don't think anyone thought he would be this good this quick. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the Clippers, they can't be feeling great about the matchup. I know they match up well with Dallas, but mm-hmm. that's that should be a fun series. I mean, I don't think that – I don't expect Dallas to win. Maybe they only win one game, 
but I feel like those games can be pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you have a guy who can go get, you know, 20 assists or whatever he got last mm-hmm. night and still and score over 30 points, that's like 100 points that he accounted for just like he was a part of. Yeah, and his running mate can score 30 and grab 20 boards. Um, yep. So, you know, that's a dynamic duo. Dude, the freaking Southwest Conference is going to be stacked for years to come, it appears. Um, I mean, the bleakest outlook is probably the Spurs. You got Houston, who's got Harden, and, you know, obviously they're a little older, but they don't see them blowing it up anytime soon. Mm-hmm. They could with Daryl Morey. Um, so you've got Houston, us, New Orleans, Dallas, and the Spurs. Like that's <laughs> that's four – Freaking good teams, yeah. yeah. You're playing those teams four times a year. So if we ever get to have fans back in arenas, like those division games, the tickets are – pay for themselves if you want to sell the tickets to some of those games. Yeah. There's a lot to look forward to is like, as far as uh, basketball quality is concerned. Yeah. I mean, the, the young guys, and it's crazy how the like young talent kind of comes in waves. Like it was LeBron, D Wade and Melo. And now it's like this young crop led by like Tatum, Luca, Josh, just so many good young players. And, um, you know, just it seems like the NBA is going to be fun as hell for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as long as uh, people don't, you know, all together stop watching because of politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My eyes are glued to it. <laughs> yeah, th- their ratings are through the roof, but like yeah. people are saying no one's watching. So NBA is in a great spot. And uh, also, shout out to the bubble, man. I was skeptical. This has been. Flawless, except for Lou Will leaving and going to Magic City. Like everything else has been wonderful. Uh, so, shouts to Adam Silver and everyone with the NBA and the Players Association. The only thing that I would have liked to see changed is not as many games in as many days, but you got to do what you got to do to get to the playoffs, I guess. Yeah. I've seen uh, people like ask questions or examples. They're like, hey, look, the NBA can do a bubble. And I may be talking about school restarts or something. The NBA can do a bubble and it all works, but it's also like they're also spending like $200 million on it. Not, yeah. every, <laughs> not every organization has $200 million to make something like that happen. So it's like completely not comparable. Right. And I mean, shout out to the players for abiding by the guidelines. Yeah, so, it's, so it seems we haven't heard any stories really of anyone just breaking the rules. Um, but you know, also they're in Disneyland resorts. <laughs> like you can't do that with everything. So yeah, um, you can't send like 300 college basketball teams to to do that. No, you can't even send like 10 college basketball teams. No. <laughs> or like five football teams. Yeah, these guys have so many more people. Yeah, these guys have legit money on the line. So and you know their future earnings are on the line. So. You know, it's a little bit different situation for the NBA players. Yeah, for sure. I think that'll wrap it up for tonight. We'll talk again next week. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Backdoor Cut Show. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts uh, by searching Backdoor Cut Show or on the Barnburner Podcast Network. And also you can hear us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Until next time, we'll see you later. Shout out Penny Hardaway. Hey, sign his first four-star recruit.